And it is a privilege to honor Him. I want to talk with you this morning about what the Lord has prepared for us. Not the things I was just talking about, but greater things than these. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament and spend just a few minutes thinking about what God prepared for His chosen people of old, for the people of Israel. And how He prepared them to receive what He prepared for them. And I think in understanding that, it sort of serves as a a metaphor for what God has done for us in preparing heaven for us and in preparing us go to heaven. The picture that's on your screen is a picture that's taken of the sunset in southern Israel uh, not long ago. Uh, It's a really beautiful picture of the landscape when it's green. It's not always green there, but in this picture it's amazingly beautiful. And this is the land that God promised to give Abraham and promised to give Isaac and promised to give Jacob and their descendants. And then when he brings them up out of the land of Egypt, after they've been there for 400 years, becoming a people, really, he brings them to Sinai and he makes through Moses this promise, Exodus 23 and verse 20. I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. God had prepared a place for Israel. And the promise was that He was going to bring them to it with the power of His angel. It was the place that, as I said, was promised to Abraham. Genesis 12 and verse 7, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. Abram built an altar to him on that occasion. And then in Genesis 15, God is talking to Abraham again. And in verse 13, He says to him, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs and will serve them, talking about going down into Egypt, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And then I'm going to judge that nation, and they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your father's peace, in peace, You shall be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God could have said, Abraham, you just dwell in the land now. That's not what He He says. It's not going to be yours right now. It's going to be your descendants. And one of the reasons is, we've got people dwelling in the land and they're not ready to be kicked out yet. And so I'm going to prepare it for you, but it's going to take some time. Generations. 400 years. And God was true, of course, to His Word. 
And go back to Exodus 23, and God's talking to Moses, the children of Israel. In Exodus 23, he tells them, My angel goes before you and brings you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the, Je and the Jebusites. And he says, And I blot them out. In order for you to inhabit the land, I'm going to take these people out of the land. I will blot them out. And this, of course, is what God did. Now you think about the land, a land, as you can see in the picture, flowing with milk and honey. It was a wonderful land already, prepared by God, assuming from uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years, before Israel inherits it. But you come to Joshua 24, and Joshua speaks to the people toward the end of his days about what God has done, about what he had promised. He says, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, all of these people that were there, and also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them and eat of the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. <laughs> you talk about preparing a land, not only did he prepare it in creating it, and then caused people to inhabit it and build cities and plant vineyards and olive groves and all of that sort of thing. But then he drove all of those people out and left all of the other stuff there. He had used those people to prepare those cities and those olive groves and those vineyards to give to his children Israel. God is all wise and all powerful. And all things work together according to the counsel of his will. And you can just see that, and I just sort of touched on a couple of points about what God did choosing a people, promising a people this land, preparing the land for them, and then giving it to them. Just giving it to them. When Joshua and the children of Israel come to Jericho, God says, I have given you they hadn't even got it yet. I've given you this city. I've given it to you. And he gave them all of that. But God did not just prepare the land for the people. He also prepared the people for the land. When we go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see Moses speaking to the children of Israel just before they're about to go in and inhabit the land. And he reminds, Moses does, he reminds the children of Israel of some things that God had caused them to experience over the last 40 years, wandering in the wilderness. And he says, He humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You remember that as the words that Jesus quotes to the devil in Matthew chapter 4. But Moses' point is, you've gone through a lot of stuff, and some of it was hard, but God did all of that to teach you some things. And that's just one of the things, obviously. We could m mention many things that God did with Israel to, to bring them to a point where they were ready to be His people, where they were able to enter the land with the hope of serving Him. And he taught them in all of that. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
later on in this very text, and starting in verse 7. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, and fountains, and springs, that flow out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat, and barley, and vines, and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil, and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you've eaten and are full, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. As I said, I think all of that serves as a metaphor for what God has done for us. I don't just think it. I know it. The Bible says so. It's a copy. It's a foreshadowing of what God has done for us. In our travel to that land of rest, there's a rest still that remains for the people of God, the Hebrew writer says. We are going ourselves to the promised land. We will cross one day the Jordan and enter into the land that God has prepared for us. And so may I tell you something about what the Lord has prepared for us. Preparation. Preparation, of course, involves a lot of wisdom, forethought, purposing, planning, coordination, work. And God works all things according to the counsel of His will, as we've already said. So many times in God's dealings with mankind, God demonstrates that He has made extensive preparations for His people. Again, you can see this in Old Testament times. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, a verse that's used a lot nowadays, kind of out of context, I think. (laughs) But in its context, God is in the process in Jeremiah 29 of punishing His people. In fact, He's going to wipe out Jerusalem and wipe out uh, the temple. But He's promised them a better future when they come around to Him. And He says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. He's still thinking about the future of His people. They had come into the land, they had defiled the land, yet He's going to take them out and bring them in again and give them a second chance. He's thinking a lot about them. He's purposing a lot for them. He's going to provide the land again for them. The psalmist says in Psalm 31 and verse 9, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. God has preparing things. He's always preparing things for us in this life and as we'll see in the life to come. He blesses us and provides us even in the midst of a world that's filled with persecutors and enemies of His and of His sons. Psalm 23 and verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare. God makes it, prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Blesses me even surrounded by those who hate Him, who hate His cause, and hate His Son. But the greatest things, as we've said, that He has prepared for us are spiritual things. And they are things beyond our fondest imaginings. He has prepared a way for us, a way to 
come home to him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is discussing in the first couple of chapters of 1 Corinthians this great purpose, this great purpose that's told us in the gospel, this great plan that God has had since the foundation of the world to save us. It's the mystery of the gospel. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7, we speak the mystery of God, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age had known, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God prepared for those who love Him. You cannot even imagine it. Paul is telling us those things. Speaking in the mystery, the mystery of the gospel which had been hidden. Now these things are revealed that God has prepared greatness and glory for His chosen people. Jesus' death and resurrection make it all possible. Jesus, the Lord of glory, came to this earth to save us from our sins, to prepare us to go where He is. In the words of John 14, as Jesus speaks them, He says in verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's it in a nutshell, isn't it? Christ came. He died, rose again, ascended back to the Father, and He's coming again to take us home. To the place prepared. That's what He says. To the place prepared for you. Ultimately, the Lord Himself will invite His people into His home, into an eternal land, Emmanuel's land, that has been so long in preparation. And the King will say, as Jesus describes it in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 34, that, that great judgment scene with the sheep and the goats being divided on the right and the left. And the King will say to those on the right, Come you, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom. That's not just that the kingdom has come, but inherit the kingdom. Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God's been preparing this a long time. A long time. And like the faithful of old, we long for the kingdom prepared for us. For the city, for the country that God has made. For us to inhabit. The faithful described in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 were people who, in, or verse 16 rather, were people who desired a better country, a heavenly country. Therefore, the text says, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them, a place for them to dwell. It's prepared. It's what God, here's what God has prepared for us He's prepared a city for us. What city? 
what city is prepared for us? John sees it. <coughs> John sees it in Revelation 21 and verse 2. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You know, the thing about brides, they, they like to get um, all fancied up. You ever notice that? Typically, the bride's going to be uh, really, really adorned in beautiful apparel. Excuse me a second. <coughs> the bride is adorned in beautiful apparel. John sees the city, <coughs> excuse me, beautifully adorned. Just beautifully adorned. It's the city we're going to. I love the description of it in Revelation 21 and 22. Tolkien wrote in his epic tale about a place he imagined called Middle Earth. <clears throat> he wrote of a hero who saved the world. And at the end of it, took a voyage to the undying lands. And I read what he wrote. <clears throat> the ship went out into the high sea and passed on into the west, until at last on a night of rain, the traveler smelled a sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing coming over the water. And it seemed to him the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back, and he beheld white shores, and beyond them a far green country, under a swift sunrise. That's a man's imagination of what going to heaven is like. I like what John saw better, though. Revelation 22 and verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. And that is what God has prepared for us. We sing a song. <clears throat> Sing a song sometime. 
it was written based on Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, which we preached a sermon about a couple of months back. Prepare to meet your God. Careless soul, why will you linger, wandering from the fold of God? Fear you not the invitation. Prepare to meet your God. So our eternal home is prepared, but the real question is, are we prepared? I can tell you that in Amos 4 and verse 12, when Amos tells the Israelites, prepare to meet your God, they were not ready to meet Him. And they probably weren't going to get ready. They were wholly unrepentant. They were not putting themselves in the hand of their God. They were not listening to His Word. Why so thoughtless are you standing? Many in this world are standing thoughtless about where they're going. Why not heed the invitation and prepare to meet God? God is not just preparing for us a place. He's wanting to prepare us for the place. And that has to happen. Everybody's not going to go to heaven. The home is not for everybody. Just like all the Israelites didn't go. In fact, most of the Israelites did not go to the promised land. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4, Paul says, we know that if our earthly house, speaking of of Christians, himself as a Christian, he says, we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He says, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. I, I, I read this verse a lot. I preach about this verse a lot. I know you've heard me talk about it many times. But it is such an important verse for us to think about. We have a home. If we allow God to prepare us for it. He who has prepared us for this very thing. This is a home that's prepared. But it's for a people who are prepared. And just as God prepared the Israelites for the promised land, and yet some of them were unwilling to listen to Him, to change when they needed to change, to serve Him in the way that He deserves to be served. And so they they didn't enter into the rest. They didn't enter into the prepared place. Just as He was wanting them To go to the place prepared. He wants us to go to the place prepared. Prepared since the foundation of the world. He is teaching us. He is teaching us in this life. If we will listen. If we will receive his instruction. He is teaching us to obey him. He's teaching us to rely on him. To provide whatever our needs are. He's teaching us to trust him. And to trust that his way is right. Even when we don't understand that it's right. Even when we can't see how it could be good for us. How it makes any sense. How many times in the wilderness wanderings and before and after, the Israelites couldn't make sense out of what God was saying. It didn't have to make sense. The Israelites couldn't see how it was going to happen. They didn't have to see. 
They had to trust God. Recently, we, we've lost some very special people in our lives. Miss Flossie, my mother-in-law, others as well. We have hope for these that I'm speaking of. That they've gone to the place or will go to the place that's prepared. Because they were prepared. But are you? Am I? My desire is to be prepared. My desire is to go to that home that's prepared more than anything else. I am bound for the promised land. Who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. If you're ready to make that commitment today, to give your heart, your life to God, and let Him mold you and make you, as we sang this morning, into what you need to be in His service so that you might dwell in that land that He's prepared for you, we'd ask you to come while we stand and sing.